You know, Jeffrey. Yes? I don't want to be a school teacher. You don't? No, taking care of the little children, rubbing their little noses with their snots in the wintertime. You're right, Dave. I can feel it. I don't want to be a computer consultant anymore. Wiping the noses of all of my clients because they don't know which mouse button to click. I've had it. It's a ridiculous life. What is it you'd rather do all day, Jeff? Well, I'd rather play ASL. I'd rather play ASL, too. West of Alamein. Kota Bushido. Paratrooper. Armies of Oblivion. That's what we'd like to do all day. I play a cell and I'm okay. I play all night, then I play all day. I move my troops, I rally well. I file my pens of Fosties when opponents get too cocky. I bombard them all to hell. I play a cell and I'm okay. I play all night, then I play all day. I rally well, I shoot big guns, I blitz my tanks a lot. And if there's too much open, I lay the smoke I've got. Uh, I play a cell and I'm all right. I play all day, then I play all night. I shoot big guns, machine guns get right. And often just for fun, I'll play in Frenchman's clothing Ooh. and surrender on turn one. Ooh. I play a cell and I'm okay. I play all night and I play all day. Are we on? Hello, everybody. Oh, we are. Are we on? How do we know? Well, this is take two. Yes, it is. So if any of you are wondering why there was only one show last month. We Jeff, had Jeff screwed up. I did. It was Jeff. We had a te- technical difficulty here in the broadcast foxhole. And actually, considering we've had 320 odd shows and they most of them were odd. Um. We've never had this kind of screw up. I'd say that's pretty good. No, we just we had one where we lost a segment. We lost a segment. Audio or something. This one we lost the whole show. We forgot to no not press we Jeff who. I'm not going to blame it on you. <laughs> it's so easy to do, Dave. Yeah, but I will. I will take the blame. Well, and we're still in a new surrounding, kind of. We're still kind of getting used to this broadcast foxhole till we move back to mine, whenever that will be. And uh, normally I mute at Jeff's house. Yeah. Because there's feedback. Yeah. So you were muted. And uh, <laughs> so we, you could see us talking, but you would have to be able to read lips, yes. which is very hard to do if you're just listening. And Jeff suggested maybe we just try to record an audio and try to match our lips. O- overdub. That would have been very funny for us, not yeah. for anybody but, else. But once you got into the real content. Yeah. If if there is any, and it's too bad it was a great show. It was. I a tell great you show. what, we were on our best behavior and a lot of good content there. 
So we're going to try to recreate that magic are, moment. Because we're going to at least do all the great parts again. This magic which moment. is going to be today on the show. You're going to hear some letters. Yes. A contest announced. Hot a dang. small banner and a look at the LFT part one of LFT number. 15? Yeah, 15. Yeah, 15. First half. Second half, next show. And we want to remind people right out of the gate that uh, this show is brought to you in part by generous donations from Bounding Fire Productions. A long time and much beloved sponsor of the show, and we appreciate their continuing support. And we encourage you to go to boundingfire.com. Indeed. And look for all the goodies there. You can get lots of all the LFT stuff there and uh, um, just great stuff from bounding fire it's a great spot to go and spend some money you, you know it's burning in your pocket burning a hole don't let that happen mm-hmm. and speaking of we dave and i are playing another um scenario from the neptune so we'll get oh, to that yes maybe yes, next show or third show after this okay we'll take another look at that yeah i'll be interested to hear that in the meantime Good. this is the two half squads the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, Advanced, Advanced Squad, Squad Leader. Leader. I'm Dave. I'm Jeff. And once again, we're taking you on a magical mystery tour. So some time has passed since we last did this show. And we thought uh, I was leaving for the fishing trip uh, <laughs> right after that show, a couple of days after. And so we thought, well, maybe we'll record the show while I'm up north. So I took all these maps and stuff with me like I needed more stuff to carry. Um, and then we didn't. No. But that was fine. Yes. It was a nice fishing trip. Yeah. Why, a good time. Yeah. Why break up a fishing trip yeah. with attempting to record a show? Right. Re-record a show. Yeah. So we'll we'll jump right in. Uh, or will we talk about Pretty what m- you've been up to? I, I, Did you have something you I, wanted to? I would like to mention the miniature snow. What's it called? Toy Soldier Show. The Toy Soldier Convention? Uh, one day show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was just Sunday in Schaumburg. Yep. A lot of old guys. Lots of, it's for the toy soldier collectors, right? I guess. And they got, yeah, and they're selling their wares and their collectors and they're displaying. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a bunch of older guys and um, lots of cool old toys if you like them. But I had a certain one I was looking for, it was going to tell Mike about and now I have them somewhere in this basement, but I couldn't find them for, for the show. But here is a similar type of toy soldier I had in what the 70s, 60s. And look, you can turn them and change the pose. So this Native American is pretty cool. You can snap off the headdress and the head. So you can behead them and have the headless horseman. Right. Very handy. But see the goal, you can change the necklaces. You oh. can change the accoutrements. Accoutrement. And how cool was this going from your green uh, toy soldiers, you know, from yeah. Toy Story? So this is, and I don't remember these. So, and for people that are listening and not watching, Dave is holding up a, yeah. of a, yeah, a toy soldier. It's about three inches tall. Yep. It's not a soldier, Plastic. it's a Native American on horseback. Yep, it's really just, but this one says Transogram. Is that Big Ben? 
Yeah. That's Big Ben. We're we're in London. Yeah. Transogram uh, made in Hong Kong. Okay. But that wasn't the Knights. I had the Knights. These were cool. They were cool. The Cowboys, I had a set of. So you had these. F Troop. Yeah, these were my toys. Oh, okay. F Troop and these natives. Is this one still from your yep, collection from, from the 70s? That's from, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it hasn't de- decayed too much. No. Some of them were starting to break. Yeah, I page. would imagine the plastic gets brittle um, after a while. But the cool ones were these Knights. And I they're somewhere in the basement, but the, a guy had them. So I'll put a picture up on the podcast and maybe a link. Britain's Swap It Knights. And you can see they also had then the crest came off the colored thing on the horses, you know, was also removable. And you could pull the sword from the scabbard. Really? Yes. And they had the cool scabbards painted in this red and white stripes. And that little sword could come right out of there. So the, were these not the coolest toys you ever could have Very imagined? cool. And why don't I remember these at all? Because they were expensive. They were, I think they were only at Marshall Fields. Oh. Right? They okay. weren't going to be at Ben Franklin with your regular yeah. kinds of um, one color toys. So then as we're leaving, I couldn't find these anywhere. And as we're leaving, there's two guys at a booth with them. And like these are the toys. I want to show these to my friend. I had these as a kid. And so they wrote this book <laughs> and they signed it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, this is going to be some of my podcast money, Jeff. <laughs> and did you notice, I mean, are these vendors from just around Chicago area? Do you think? No, is, is, Michigan. Yeah. Coming from maybe, all over. Yeah. Further than the tri-states. I never knew about this whole thing. No, and I think you wouldn't want to go every year. It's not like the little wars where you're gaming and stuff. But if, you know, we talk to guys, a, a, a couple people, they're very anxious to talk to you and show you their stuff. And oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reminisce. And I also saw these little longhorn cattle that I had. I'm like, wait, I had those, Mike. I had those things. He described a foot locker you ordered from the comic book. Well, I remember the Foot Locker. It was like 99 cents for 300 soldiers. I mean, it was something ridiculous. I, I actually could look at some old comic books and see. Yes. I he, never bought those. Did you ever buy those? No, but he yeah. did. Oh, he did. He did. They're flat soldiers. No. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's a good, oh, my gosh. It's a good thing you never bought. Oh my gosh. That's how you get he said it arrived and it was this little footlocker. You thought it was gonna be this yeah, big you shot it was, yes. with all these green army men, the yeah, you know, the full plastic 3D. That's what oh my gosh, yeah, that is hilarious. They weren't paper. He said, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but yeah. And I said, so it's kind of like getting the sea monkeys. Yes. <laughs> the drawing shows the female sea monkey yeah. and the male sea monkey, and you're kind of like get some sea monkeys <laughs> they don't look yeah and they're brine shrimp well i, I imagine it's also like the x-ray specs yeah. you remember yeah. those where the guy's looking at his hand and like he could see the bones through it yeah. i never ordered those but i wonder what that was like we did you did my brother did he oh. ordered the x-ray so it, it simply is like covered with this 
like looking through nylon hosiery. Oh. <laughs> and then it kind of just made the middle of the finger darker and and dis- diffused the light around things. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you're in diffusion around it. Unbelievable. Look, maybe that's the bone. I wonder how much money they made off of that stuff back in those days. That's hilarious. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, there'd be a lot more ASL stuff sold if we were to, for instance, advertise something. And then when they get it, they open up the box and it's actually just like these flat cardboard pieces that you have to punch out yourself. And then trim the corners and on? trim the corners oh. off. Yeah. And the whole thing is just flat. And then they have like these maps oh. that are just flat cardboard paper, cardboard oh, stuff. I would hate that. That would be awful. That'd be terrible. I wouldn't spend my money on that. Who would buy that? Nobody. I think you're getting like a World War II game. Yeah. With terrain. Yeah. Tanks. Toy soldiers and wind up tanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you went. I'm sorry I couldn't go. That's this. I was disappointed that I couldn't see that, but. And you won't be going next year, so. Well, if you really want to go, I could spare an hour. Okay. Ten bucks to get in. Um. Music means it's time for letters. Letters. First of all, we'd like to thank Jeff Coward, Greg Kane, Isaac Wyneth, Don Trump, Chris Brown, Eric Top, Andrea Carlson, Dennis LeClaire, Steve Schlieberg, Jack Brown, Sam Tyson, and Klaus Hermans for their continued Patreon support. Love you guys. Love you. If you were here, I'd plant a big one on you. So it's a good thing you're not here. Yeah. Thanks to uh Rich Strickland, uh, Kenamian uh, Arteus, mm-hmm. yeah, Matthew Root, and Prester John. Thank you for subscribing to us on YouTube. You make our life a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think we're up to 450. Yeah. We're almost to 10,000. Yep. Half one tenth. Yeah. One twentieth of the way there. Well, I have a letter from Lloyd Bonagura. I am reading the revamped version of John Rush Russell book called There's the Strife about the battles in April 1945 between the British versus the Kriegsmarine SS. Wish I could find the time on target scenarios for this. Slowly catching up on the podcast. Love it, Dave and Jeff. Thanks, Lloyd. So if anyone out there has access to those time on targets or wants to donate them, we'll get them to Lloyd. Let us know. Yeah. Got one here from Ward Robe, who says Southern California playing every week is amazing. Now, he's referring to the episode we did a couple episodes ago with Jim Akins from the Southern California group. And he says, I'm sure the population isn't there every week just due to the size of Southern California. We pause here for laughter. Uh, But still, that's amazing. So I suppose a small campaign game or historical ASL would be tough. Although I suppose there are smaller scenarios on those maps. Yes, and there are. There are. So, um, yeah, good interviews. If you haven't heard them, go back and do so. Yeah. Uh, I have a letter here. 
Just wanted to pass along my thanks for the recent episodes of the National Capabilities, though. These are often based on stereotypes. They are a key part of the system, including the Korean or ASL squad types. I come close to 100 different squads just in MMP modules. Maybe I didn't copy that properly. <laughs> this does not include historical ASL units, assault engineer variants. Oh, or the special case. Oh, yeah. He's saying that there's that number of variety of different units. Wow. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. This does not include historical units, assault engineer variants, or special capabilities that, for example, some Commonwealth or allied minor units have. And it doesn't include the squad types in third-party products. And that the system encompasses all of this is amazing. As an errata, he notes that Ethiopians can do human wave. Ah, okay. We talked about on the other show. Yes, right. Keep up the good work, and I hope to see more coverage of the Korean uh, rules, unit capabilities, and so on as we go along from Preston. That'll be coming up. Got one here from David Nichols. Jeff, Illinois has a naval base for the same reason Hawaii has an interstate highway. And trusting Jim's memory of what he played last week is taking your life in your hands. He's notorious. So he's referring to uh, my mention that uh, the naval base here in the North Shore does not have any ships in it. Though somebody did hear about that and they sent us a letter. That's so coming we'll, up at we'll, the end. We'll follow up with that in just mm -hmm. a little bit. So stay tuned. Yep. Um, also, then Anonymous said that he heard they moved the U-505 into the museum because it needed a new subfloor that's at the Field Museum, <laughs> moving the submarine in there. And of course, there are no boats or ships at the Great Lakes Naval Air Station. That's where the Navy stores all its air. Thus, the name Air Station. Duh. Duh. Anonymous. Mm, I think we know who that is. Mm. I think we all can safely think that's Dennis Donovan. I would bet. Probably. We'll give him the credit. Uh, hello, guys. Your recent mention of the Great Lakes Naval Station reminded me that during World War II, two aircraft carriers operated out of Chicago for naval pilot training. Training in, the Lake uh, training in Lake Michigan was preferred because training programs on either coast or in the Gulf of Mexico would be too vulnerable to enemy submarine attack. Then he includes some links. He says, follow the first link to the Palatine Library System copy of Heroes on Deck, a PBS video about the carriers and over 100 World War II airplanes at the bottom of Lake Michigan. Now, that, that I didn't mm. know. I suppose I could have done a little research myself, but this is so much easier. It is. Let the listeners do the research after the fact. Uh, the Dauntless SBD aircraft displayed in Chicago's Midway Airport was recovered from Lake Michigan and restored. I was amazed when I saw this video a few years ago. Enjoy. Rick from Milwaukee. Thanks, Rick, for sending that. We will uh, include that link in the show yep. so everybody can go and enjoy that. We'll link them up. And that is letters. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Keep them coming. Dave, it's time to give away some stuff. Yeah, let's give away some stuff. How about Schwerpunkt Volume 6 and SoCal's ASL's Melee Pack 1 in honor of our interview with Jamaicans? Okay. We'll put both of these into one envelope and we'll ship them out to the lucky winner. So help everybody get together here. Let's help Dave get his basement cleared out a little bit so he can find the rest of his toy soldiers. 
-hmm. We've got some wonderful extra ASL scenarios here that we would like to pass along to y'all. So in order to enter this contest, all you have to do is send us an email with, let's see, what should they put in the title? Two for one deal. Great. Two for one. You can spell it any way you want. You can in the header and um, we'll enter you in the contest. We will, but do that by October 15. Okay. And we'll record the new show the 16th and okay. post it the 17th. All right. So October 15th. 15th. Get her done. Get it and get some good prizes. And we have more prizes coming up on all the shows. So we do. Go ahead and we do. Don't, don't, uh, Hold back. We got plenty. It's time for rules. You need the rules to play the game and put your opponents to shame. They might seem hard, but that's okay. We're gonna learn them anyway. Okay, today on Rules, Jeffrey, we're looking at the British. Are you ready? I am ready. Hot dang. Do British troops also encompass all Commonwealth, free French, and other liberated forces? No. Yes. Yes, they do. Oh. In the original ASL, British No, they don't. Wait a minute. Yep. If you play the free French, you're just using British counters. If you're using the free Polish army, you're using British counters. Oh, and if you play the Australians? British, British counters. counters. If okay. You're playing the yeah, um, whoever Gurkhas. Yes. Right. Right. Now you're probably thinking, but wait, haven't I lately seen some free French counters? And well, some Gurkhas the, uh, and third-party yeah. products. Yes. Okay. You have. Okay. Should guardsmen and Gurkhas generally be regarded as elite troops? I'm going to say yes. You are correct. Those uh, Gurkhas are tough hombres. They're kukri knives. Yeah. Did I say that right? I don't know. Kukri? I, I've never bothered to pronounce it. I always just see it in print. Yeah. And what does ANZAC stand for? The British rules. Australia and New Zealand. Correct. And Tasmania. And they did, forgot the T. They did forget the T. Yeah. Did, are those troops generally to be regarded as elites uh oh let's see our australians elite and new zealanders too uh yes yes okay good should the... glad i got that right i don't want a bunch yeah, of I know. really upset australians knocking on my door we could have had a lot of letters for next show yeah should the german conscripts be generally regarded as elite <laughs> no, no 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 is correct yes how about free french and polish forces uh yeah i'm gonna say yes and i, I was kind of thinking of it, well they're guys who survived the initial invasions of their country right sought out to fight in a somewhere else with the british to organize them or anywhere else to continue the fight they're probably elite yes normally Right. Not that you couldn't have some first line, whatever, but should Canadians be regarded as elite? I don't want to upset the Canadians. Oh, I'm old. just going to say, you know what? This is year 2023. You're all elite Everyone's to me. Elite. 
you're all elite, every one of you. Yeah, so the Canadians are also. And I don't know historically why. I'm sure it's in Steve Swan's article on Canadian forces back in the journal or annual um, or the general magazine even. But I know I've read all about how these troops are um, recruited. Yeah. But the Canadians going again overseas, probably a little more gung-ho to go. I don't think they were all into conscription. Right. And especially the beginning of the war. Right. right if ever. I don't think ever. Uh, be- oh, I wrote the reason here because all oh. of them are composed of volunteers rather than draftees. So I, we just guessed oh, it. We okay. just guessed it. What is actually correct? It's from the rule book. <laughs> Should colonial troops such as the King's African Rifles and pre-1944 Indian troops in India and Burma generally be regarded as elite troops prepare for letters yes yeah we'll pretend yes oh we'll pretend yes but it's no no it's no oh interesting now no offense but these are not british you know they're not they probably didn't have the training and uh, and all that in place and they're in colonial yeah, colonial areas. Right. Who's, right. No, probably someone like it's just a job for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, appease the colonial empire. Some were probably into it, but should they be considered as second line troops represented by 447 squads usually? Yes. Yeah, yes. Do the Indian colonial troops, elephant riders, do they get to use the stampede rules in ASL? Oh, yes. Correct. And what about the trampoline rules? Uh, the trampoline rules. No, yes. No. Trampoline. I think the, oh, trampoline. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I am forever marked by the days way back when, when you tried to convince me, and you really did, that the British would take tea time. And that was written into, that was just a part of the nationality thing. Yes, I do recall. Yeah. And uh, so I'm always wary of being led astray by you. So the yeah. tramp, anyway, the trampoline rules. Yes, it's good until your back starts to hurt. So you don't want to do it. Have you ever seen an elephant jump on a trampoline? No, I bet that's fun. <laughs> trampoline. Oh, trampoline rules. Yeah. If they run over a squad. Oh, man. I know. An overrun chart. No, no. <laughs> No, there, sadly, there are no elephant riders in ASL rule. Yeah. Well, rule 25.41 is about the British green troops. These are four, three, six squads, and they're green. They're considered conscripts only in a hypothetical scenario depicting the British home guard or poor quality colonial troops. Oh. So remember, the Germans never invaded Operation right. Sea Lion. Yeah, Britain. right. So if you wanted to have a scenario in London, say the Germans were fighting through the streets, you could do that. Yes, otherwise they're the 436 are green troops. You can tell because, you know, they're a different color green than the brown of the regular British. <laughs> I thought that was tea stains. <laughs> Airborne six four eight squads represent airborne. Do they have an ELR of 
five. Yes, they do. They do. Which and is wonderful. It is. And regardless of the other ELR, of other British units in the scenario too. Yeah. Some other ones, you know, elite can have a ELR of three. These guys are always five. Okay. Gurkha. 25.43. Were Gurkha troops feared in close combat due to their handiwork with their famed knitting needles? Or for their kukri knives? The kukri knives. Yes. That's <laughs> correct. Which, oh, and those those were a combination of, of a knife hatchet kind of, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. I've never held one, but I'd like to get one. Me too. I'd like to chop somebody up with one <laughs> okay that's weird <laughs> may they when the gurkha jump in the your hex may they call hand-to-hand combat yes they may mm-hmm. whenever they greater, have to say may i though they do Whenever greater than or one unbroken Gurkha infantry unit is the attacker in CC or melee or ambushes the enemy in CC, that CC melee may become a hand-to-hand at the option of the Gurkha player unless every such Gurkha unit participating in it was ambushed in that phase and or is withdrawing or pinned. Sounds familiar? It's the very same sentence they use with Japan, anyone that has this ability. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of noticed. That's how they phrase it with each nationality to be very clear about it question can their hand-to-hand close combat be used versus a vehicle or a pillbox no no that would be silly it would be silly how about passengers riders crew yes can they jump up on the tank and yeah call that no they can't either huh nope <laughs> each let's say they can is cool we'll just throw the whole asl world into a tizzy we'll start spreading disinformation or misinformation yeah. you can't you can't even jump on to guy no you can, yeah i don't think you can that's that's right yeah you have to climb up on the tank and uh, that's never happened our hand-to-hand counters provided in the game code of bushido no yes they are no, they're not. Yes, are they, they are. really? Yes. I thought they came later. No, hand to hand. Huh. Because Japanese. Yeah. Our, I, don't, I don't remember the counters coming with that. Our, yeah. Okay. Are Gurkha, Gurkhas considered commandos? Yes. Yes. Unless they're green, which they shouldn't be. Will Gurkhas surrender via the route phase method? No. No. Will they become disrupted? No. No. They will not. Are good order Anzacs stealthy or lax? Stealthy. Stealthy is correct. Unless green. British troops, they were renowned for their marksmanship, Jeff, and calmness under fire. Or moral fiber, as they termed it. Yes, quite. I think it's my favorite phrase from the whole rule book. Moral, Moral fiber, fiber, as they termed it. Therefore, their elite and first line units are immune to what effects? Uh, cowering. Correct. Rule 25.46. WP. WP stands for what? 
white phosphorus. Correct. A British squad may place only normal smoke grenades prior to 1944, but beginning in 1944, they may place white phosphorus. Does this restriction apply to ordnance white phosphorus ammo? Oh my gosh. Shooting it from a giant cannon or a I get uh, or just the infantry. I think just the infantry. Correct. Yeah. Man, you are batting like. Yeah, I think they were supplied. Well, that would get us to the French, but I think with these great maps, we probably should hold off on the French for the next rule set. Okay. We and maybe we should uh, do something special when we're doing the French. Bring some French food or something. In accents? Uh, no, <laughs> no, please. <laughs> if we stuff our mouths with enough crepe Suzette, we won't uh, make people suffer through our poor French accents. Well, then it's time for what uh, is a in a deboxa? What is in a deboxa? LFT journal, or uh, 15. number 15. Always exciting to get an LFT product. I love it. Always. Indeed. Great stuff. Now, where did we start with this last time we recorded? In yeah. Uh, I think with the maps. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, what's the, what's the uh, basis? What's the theme? Well, it is eight new desert maps, DTL and prisoners explained in a bunch of scenarios. So the components were these maps and these scenarios. So next show, I'll record a deep dive into the scenarios. So it's not ultra boring. So, and I haven't had a chance to look at this yet, but I, and I, but I have looked at the maps. So is the idea here that not all desert was just empty sand, yes. sand dunes and flat flatness, like we've seen in all of the desert maps from King and Country? Yes, indeed. So, and I'm glad that they have fixed this flaw that's been going on for so long. Yes. And to get these map concepts down, you can read the article by Steve Swan. Thank you, Steve. Interviewed on the two Haskons. He says, way back in the 90s when he was studying the Chaco War and intrigued by the terrain as described in the various battle reports, books, and magazines, on search through all the SL maps published at the time, I was disappointed by the lack of arid terrain maps. Chaco War. Yeah, remember he mentioned Isn't that it. South America. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, he he was studying it. He told us he was oh. working on something special. Oh, okay. And part of that is this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think he said LFT was going to publish it. I think. Yeah. And there's still more to go with it that he wants to get done, but for this. Then we'll look at the maps. LFT three, is that right? You don't have a one. So I will. Uh, I will hold up the maps, and for you people driving, just pull over and gaze intently into your uh, into your radio. Yeah, which you don't well because we're going to describe them. Oh, okay. Bring them to life. So once you see these, you're not even going to believe they're called desert maps because they're so different from anything that you've seen before, because there's lots of stuff on these maps. These are not just flat, open areas. There's all kinds of terrain on here. This particular one, LF3, LFT3, is separated right down the middle by a... Now, is that an elevation or is that a depression? It is a cañada, 
A kenyada is a level minus one kenyada. 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 And my son tried to get me to pronounce it correctly because he's good at Spanish. Oh, he did. But I looked it up and now I forget what it meant. But it was, uh, he saw this in a battle in the Chaco Wars, this valley-ish okay. running through yeah. the whole length of the board. And so he designed this valley, the entire length of the map board. It could re- represent a very long level one hill if you want to imagine it as a level one hill. So it has other unique terrain on it that we'll get to in our terrain time segment. That's a beauty with beauty. It's yeah, as Jeff's saying, it's just the colors wonderful and detail is sharp on these. Yeah. Good job. Maps like yeah, you know, terrain like you haven't seen before. And maps like we haven't seen before. So these are these are great. Are we gonna go through these one at a time? Yeah, well, okay. sure. LFT four. Mm-hmm. This map can represent various farmlands, and the same thought is apparent here. The rugged terrain with a couple of isolated settle settlements. There's a small three-hex settlement that can easily be used as a walled military outpost. Right here. Mm-hmm. And, or a single-family farm. And at the other end of the map is a very small three-hex village with two orchard hexes. So, again, these are maps that can be used for anything. So people who love designing scenarios maybe there's been a action that you're thinking oh that would really fit yeah and i like these uh these uh they look like dried up yeah i suppose these are dried up um it's just the regular on gully gully okay it's just so yeah so it's a combination of like some of the regular trend like gully rules yeah vert you know instead of uh wadi and some of them have steep elevation changes on them like if you look at them see oh here you can look in here yeah. oh cliff you mean hex x3 yes yeah cliff the dark serrated edge i can't seem to find it with my finger there. but in any case so that's a cliff huh okay yeah just a regular cliff well, right. it's just got serrated edge the art's yeah, a little okay. bit different. So yeah, those are all the cliff sides. You can't go up and down those. Still a uh, uh, gully. Gully. Okay. Looking at five. Map five. Mm-hmm. The intention of five is again a small village, but with a walled building that could be a South American church, government building, or a North African mosque. Look at Very that. Very cool. Very cool. Nice. A little little town around it with smaller buildings. LFT6. LFT6. Steve writes, this board was to satisfy my boredom at the plain flat, uninteresting desert maps in ASL. Much of the North Africa of much of North Africa had hill type terrain along the coastal plains. Yes. And also as the desert approached the Atlas Mountains in Northwest Africa. So what is that, Jeff? We're looking at a hill. A very of, big hill. Yeah, with three levels. And there's two hill segments. With a yes. Little valley in there. Oh, I see it's on the little one on the side. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a great desert map with a hill. For the next one, I think the area around Tobruk was more like that. terrain like this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, LFT seven. Well, this came about when he says we, and I forget who helped do these. 
Tom Repetti. That's right, Tom Repetti. Uh, so they they looked at a hillside village for LFT six, and after seeing it with without a village, they liked it, that it was just as easy to do both as maps instead of an overlay. So it is similar to the previous map with the hill, and now it has a village on it. Very a cool. Big village there, Very right? Cool. All set in the mountains. That reminds me too of like a um Italy. Uh where was it that Patton and the British guy came on? Oh, you know you're getting old when you can't name Montgomery. <laughs> right? General Montgomery. Yeah. Oh, Casino. Monte Casino or No, it was uh, in Italy. This was before they got up into Italy. That first time. Sicily. Sicily. Yeah. A lot of little mountainside um villages. Yes. Like Greek looking and yes. stuff like that. Very beautiful. And you think, I would love to live there someday. But then you walk down those hills and you got to walk back up to go home. Mm -hmm. That's how they stay in shape. What you got, map? Map uh, eight. Eight is a creation of a famed by famed map maker, Tom Repetti. We decided to have another hill map. Gorgeous. Really nice quality. Smaller hills, several sections of smaller hills. Yep. One, two, three. Yeah, probably three hills. Mountains, I guess, level three on yep. two of them. Cliffs, brush, yep. et cetera. And then looking at nine. Nothing worse than a et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and open that up and pull it farther back. You can see that central. There you go. That one, look at that beauty. All that central town in there. So again, Tom created this. He says he saw a village map in Tom's TR map display and asked him if he could publish it. It has unique features, a plaza, a town fountain, cactus patches, cactus hedges, also a small depression as well as farms, hillocks, and a church mosque. Fantastic, look at all that. And I think right here in Hex, uh, looks like 7-Eleven is a 7-Eleven. Um, a convenience store. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. I can get so, my, my big gulp there. Yes, that's right. LFT-10. LFT-10. Now, this one is kind of unique compared mm -hmm. to the rest because the whole one whole side is the familiar green that we're so used to so that you can use this against other maps in ASL and uh, create your own scenarios with that are on the edge. Of yeah, deserts. they're recommending two uses, perhaps, that in conjunction with LFT's seacoast map, you have a normal coastline transitioning into the desert in a three-map setup. Anyone who's seen the ramparts of Colorado has seen where plains become mountains almost instantly in this map between any of the many hill boards available and a desert board allows for that kind of transition. Yep. Very gorgeous. And so... Now, if only they could tell us a little about the terrain. The specific hexes. Oh. Yeah, there's some special ones that it is. Hello, boys and girls. It's Terrain time! Terrain time! Chapter mm. AD, Arid Desert. There's a chapter in the magazine. It is written by Steve Swan and Robert Hammond of 
I went ahead and bought it. Hasmo. Oh, yes. Right, 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 right. So, even though I can't remember everything, the names of everything, we have the Hasmo packs, Jeff. I bought them myself. We can get on to those probably five shows from now by the time. That'd be good. Something to look forward to. Something else to look forward to, I should say. Yes. So, oh, so this, this is broken down as a rule set. So chapter F, okay. right? Yeah. Arid, going with the desert rules, perhaps. When when you play the anything with these boards, all chapter F rules are in effect, except modified herein. If there's a conflict between the arid desert rules and the regular chapter F, guess which takes precedence on these boards? The arid rules. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, LFT three we saw the La Cañada, which is the Glen. That's what it means. It's written here. Oh, okay. It's either a half level like a deer or a full level like a valley, and it's considered to be a valley if undefined by SSR. That's the way you're supposed to use that now. And then they have board six and seven. Well, there's edges Which, here that are cliff. They don't add anything in. Yep, probably regular cliff rules. So it's, but yeah, it can't, you can't be half level and be a cliff. Can you it? can, yes. You can't climb. Oh, you can. Well, half level cliff. Now that's a good thought. I'm a. That's what yes, was. Yes, yes, yes. Just you can. Here. Yep. You can't climb out of it there. That's okay. Yeah. Okay, great. In or out. You're no movement over there. Okay. Too steep. All right. Thanks that's for the reminder. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, they mentioned things we already mentioned. I'll cut this out. Okay, ready for the two. Uh, for some, okay, for some reason they're looking at board 10, the green one. Yeah, maybe keep them in order because they're gonna yeah okay jump around with examples. Yep. So then, looking here at the green hexes, they note that they are considered temperate. Yep. If it's a green colored temperate colored hex, then regardless of other types of terrain, it is considered a temperate hex. So the rules for the regular game apply. It looks like woods. It looks like oh, brush, and, and so they are. Yep. Yep, works and brush. Right, yes. starts to look very familiar. Yep. Okay. There is a, a, a OLF, uh, the hex. Um, you, right there, you have it. Just, we can see it. So it's got the mix of it's the arid desert hex. So it looks kind of like it's got the boulders and the scrub all together. Oh, and Jeff's showing hex S2. Oh, yeah. What do you think that is, Jeff? Well, it's next to a church, so I'm going to say it's a graveyard, just mm -hmm. a very, very old graveyard. It kind of looks, well, mausoleums and stuff. It looks yeah, different. Yes. There's the, <laughs> they just look different than the European ones. Uh huh. There's the Kleinschmidt Mausoleum. There it is. It's there. Yeah. Or I was thinking like in Greece, Greece, you know, they, they have the above ground graves. Yes, they do. Mm hmm kind of tomb things um yes okay uh they suggest uh olive grove rules regular olive groves um palm trees ssr may declare an orchard hex as a palm tree there's dense palm trees 
So you could say by the rule that um, in a dense palm tree, only fully tracked vehicles can enter or change the vehicle covered arc in a arid desert dense palm tree hex without the use of a road or trail brake. And it has a bog check, so that would be new. Um, cactus patches, LFT9. These show the cactus patches. There are a lot of large ones here on this board nine. They're treated as regular cactus patches. One cactus patch on this board has a path running through it. This one. That's the, the one. This one that I'm showing right now if you're yeah. watching. And then also there's the brown and green hedges on that board. Those are cactus hedges. If you slide it over a little. Okay, so yeah. And here we see cactus hedges. So it's an adjacent to a cactus patch there. Patch. patch. Across from it's a wall, but yeah. these look like some scraggly brown and green hedges. Yeah. So they are the cactus hedges rule. Yeah, I would think that's hard to go through. <laughs> the briar patch. Yeah, especially if you're wearing shorts. Yeah, and they show that's rule B9.7. Kind of forgot that was in there. Yeah, uh, we should, you know, for British uh, that wore shorts a lot in North Africa, they would not be going through there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The woods rules for these boards are they're all light woods. Okay. And they actually, um, yeah, they're light woods. That's just the rule. And then there's some vineyard hexes, like on LFT9 again. Okay, so here we see a bunch of the vineyards. Oh, yeah, look, they got kind of like rows of knobby shapes. Yeah. Instead of just green, you know, proud fields that we saw on other, some other boards. And a special rule in this game is, or in the AD board, is that grain is always treated as if a plowed field for movement purposes. A grain hex is never broken terrain. So they're saying just think of um, thick grain. So it costs more. Like spaghetti. Through. Oh, wait a minute. That's not grain. Thick it's grain. It's a grain product? It is. Is it a byproduct of a grain field? It's possible. Spaghetti, like yeah, possibly. We could say it is. So it's going to challenge us. The grain becomes thick grain hex during the months of September and October, and then can be treated as grain, except it's got a plus two hindrance and the two movement costs for infantry cav. Yeah. Oh, and it's route and rally terrain. It's oh, that, it's that thick. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there are com combination hexes. They explain those, a crag bush, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Crag Hamada. And then there is, that we already looked at, Jeff, it is a mosque temple. There's a single hex building made to be designated as being either a mosque or a temple. That would always be considered a stone building and it may never be fortified. A single hex, that would be not, that would be sacrilegious, I think. Um, yeah, there's another one there. And so that, uh, yeah, just would have to be, oh, it could have a minaret tower, rule AD 3.31, treat it as a steeple location, but two levels higher. It's a minaret. Okay. Right? Yeah, right. It's, it's like way up there. Yeah. Shaft, there's a shaft location between the base of the mosque and the minaret tower. The shaft is treated as a minaret tower location, but has a line of sight only to the base level of the. Yeah, you can only see up and down in the shaft part. 
Okay. Yeah. Has some stacking rules for that too. I'm sure. And arid debris. Lots of that. Okay, here, yeah, W8, we, Hex, we see the arid debris. It's inherent terrain. It's concealment terrain. It's a hindrance to same level line of sight, plus one. It has a plus one TEM, similar to other terrain. Infantry expend one movement factor. Cost terrain to enter it. Only fully tracked can enter it, et cetera, et cetera. It tells you what happens if rubble falls on it or shell holes put into the um, arid debris or a flame would get rid of it. You can clear it as if it's fallen rubble. It seems expensive for that. but And there's a plus one to a sighting task checked by an aerial unit against, you can kind of hide a little bit in the debris. Hmm. Okay. wonder what that really represents, but uh, the Oasis well next to that hex, W7 there. Yep. We see the Oasis well. There are three hexes in Alpha T9 that are aired. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, the well has a plus one TEM and plus two hindrance to same level line of sight. It's ambush and rally terrain. Oh. Maybe it's just cool being by the water. You're gonna yeah, maybe. Better. Yeah. And there's some restrictions for horse-drawn and motor vehicles. Only one, it looks like, and a, on the guns being placed in there. Can't put a fortification in there. But you can put a rubber duck in there. You can, and it would usually float. It would float. Okay, and on this board nine, we'll find three hexes that are arid plaza hexes. So, um, and very cool plaza, it's treated as a wide city boulevard, but it's dirt. So you could put minefields in it, I guess, and stuff. And there's a little uh, pool next to it. Oh, that is a fountain in hex N4. The <sighs> normal stacking limit for this hex is two squad equivalents. There are no rooftops in this hex. Only one horse drawn or motor vehicle can fit in there. Mm -hmm. Got some similar restrictions. That's very cool. No fortifications in a fountain hex. Very cool. And cooling. Oh, and you can't bypass the hex sides, certain hex sides, as you can tell by looking. Yeah. Then they do have some rules, a 83.62. An oasis is treated as a shallow stream for all purposes. A pond overlay adjacent to an orchard hex would be a oasis. So you can make your own oasis too. Rule 4.41, arid rooftops. It's treated as a rooftop, except as modified herein. There's an inherent stairwell that leads to the rooftop location. An arid rooftop location is considered a building location for victory conditions. That's different. Is a TEM like a hedge. That makes sense. Yeah. And it is concealment terrain up there. That makes sense. Similar similar rules for the yeah. rooftops. And broken terrain is in effect only by SSR. It has some modifications here in the rules. Um, broken ground rules. Let's go back to the uh, mm -hmm. the rooftops. Yes. So is that only for buildings that where there is one building in the hex? Because so many of these hexes are multiple buildings. Uh, you should be able to kind of tell they're flat. 
Well, like if we look at this, it's just it doesn't matter either way. There, that's a good one to look at. See how a bunch look like they're flat, and some look like they have pointy roofs. So, um, it says a building on an AD board and a desert-colored hex, including overlays with buildings in which the overlay is considered to contain desert or colored-based terrain, is an arid building. An arid building has an arid rooftop. Well, a lot of these look like they're flat rooftops. So which building are you in? I guess it's just the hex. So you would just say you can use the rooftop and ignore the de individual depictions. All right. So the depictions are kind of cool. Yeah, very you know, cool. They really have that look of the Middle Eastern style buildings with the flat roofs. Yeah. You know. These maps make me want to make me think of google earth and you know on google earth how you can go down to street level view yeah these makes maps make me want to see a street level view i think that would be really cool yep absolutely there are these things called high walls and they're only by special scenario rule and these walls are considered a level one line of sight obstacle and it cost two movement factors and the cost of terrain to, for infantry okay only a fully tracked AFV may attempt to breach a high wall with half of its movement points and gets a bog check at plus three. And Yikes. You, and you get a breach in it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no direct fire. Oh, um, this, okay. As you guess, you cannot shoot through it, the high wall. No direct fire between ground level loca locations. Unless you breach the wall. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no wall advantage. So I've no seen, wall advantage. I've seen that, this yep. okay. in the you know desert storm battles and Fallujah and all that stuff. I've seen high walls. Yes. Americans running along. You don't have to duck. You know, yeah. So. so now you got a rule for that. High walls. And that wraps up the article by Robert Hammond and Steve Swan. Very nice. Excellent new stuff to use. Really great. Go to boundingfire.com and order that LFT number 15. And then you can have these maps in your very own home. You can. So that'll wrap it up. Next time, we'll look at the articles in LFT 15 okay. briefly and the scenario, some of the scenarios. Something to look depth. forward to for mid October. Coming up on Halloween, we won't, don't know if we'll, well, we may take a little Halloween bits into the next show. Probably. Yeah. You were saying you were feeling like dressing up this year? Yeah, I'm feeling like it. Not sure what, I, what I'm going to be. Not just for the show? Not just for the show. Are you trick-or-treating then yourself? No. Okay. No. I would start to worry about you. Yes. No. I would, maybe I would like to look. Is it okay to go trick or treating again when you're older, like just once for old times? Sake? Well, you just tell them you have kids, you have grandkids, and, and they're sick at say, home. Like, where are the grandkids? Oh, they're, yeah, they're sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're really, really sick. And then why are you wearing well, that costume? Yeah. Well, we were going to go. They dropped out at the last minute and they asked me to come to your house because it's the best house and you have the best treats. You have the large size candy bars. Yeah. All right, folks, get in your contest entry. Yes. And remember to roll low and rally well, but, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.